Our scripture reading this morning is Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering, on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord for us. We have been blessed with some amazing night sky views in this season, have we not? Anyone else here like to do some stargazing? I know some of you are very early risers. You're up before the sun. And uh, on those clear nights uh, in the pitch black to just see the brilliance of the shining stars, it takes your breath away um, amidst the, the other beauty happening around us in this, in this season of autumn with the leaves turning colors. The night sky has been breathtaking and amazing. Those stars that shine and draw your attention. And uh, we had a campfire uh, not long ago with our family and we're, the kids were noticing one particular star. I was like, what, what is that? It's shining brighter than all of the others. And uh, I recently got an app that you can uh, hold up to the night sky and it shows you the, which planet or star or constellation it is. And so we were able to identify it and just marvel in the beauty of God's creation. The reason I mention that is because what we heard in the scripture a moment ago that Christy read that we can shine like stars in the night sky. Maybe you don't feel like a star this morning, but that's just what we're going to talk about today. So let me introduce myself. I'm John. I serve as lead pastor here at MCA. Thrilled that you are with us today. Isn't it a joy to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ to sing songs of praise to Almighty God, to turn to the Word of God that shapes us, that is a foundation for our lives? It is, it is a joy and a privilege to be together. And of course, as always, I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. So we're doing a study in the book of Philippians. I hope you brought your Bible. We're going to be in chapter 2. And we're going to see there, let's just jump to verse 15, kind of the, the title verse or theme verse for this Sunday, where, as I mentioned, it says, you'll shine like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Not just because you're so brilliant, not just because you're so amazing. You'll shine like stars in the night sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So that's what we're going to explore together this morning. We're going to be in chapter two of the book of Philippians, verses 12 through 30. But we're going to explore how is it that we might shine for Jesus. And there's a reason that I think this is an important message for us today. Simply put, we live in a dark world. You don't have to look very far to see darkness around us in our world and in our culture and in our community and creeping into our hearts and creeping into our families and creeping into our lives. We've got people all around us who are unhappy and unjoyful. You see this theme through this book of, of contagious joy. And yet, for how many of us we say, there are things, there are people, there are circumstances that are just, just gnawing at me and grabbing at me to steal my joy. It's because we live in a dark world. We see those who are blinded by the spiritual darkness around us. We see people who are just disenchanted with life. I especially have a heart and a passion for the generations that are coming behind us. 
Those young people who have so much to live for, who have so many things they they should be and could be enthusiastic about, and yet they're disenchanted with life. They're searching for meaning. They're searching for truth. They're grappling with their identity. And so if you're like me today, when we talk about shining like stars in the night sky, you can feel the darkness around you. And because of the gospel... We can push back the darkness. Because of the gospel, we can shine brightly in the darkness. And so I'm trusting that the Lord, through his word, is going to speak to us today. Maybe even specifically or particularly, those of you who feel, like I do, the darkness that is pressing in around you. The darkness from your culture, from your school, maybe from your family, maybe in your own mind. We're going to hear this clear call That Jesus shines his light on us. Jesus calls us to step out of that darkness and into the light. And it will then use us to shine brightly in this dark world. So this morning, as we look at this passage, again, we're in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 12 through 30. We're going to see that a life that shines brightly for Jesus begins with this. A healthy fear of God. A reverence for God. So we're going to start in verse 12, Philippians chapter 2. And there Paul writes to the church in Philippi that they are to continue to work out your salvation with what? Somebody help me. Hmm. So for some of us, we go, fear? We're talking about contagious joy. Jubilant gladness because of Christ and what he's done. And all of a sudden now, we're supposed to be afraid. Uh, Shining brightly begins with fear. Yes. A fear of God. A reverence for our creator. And as it pertains to our salvation, notice there that it does not say work for your salvation. (laughs) that's not what Paul writes here. He did not write work for your salvation. He says, work out your salvation. We know that salvation is a gift of God, that it is freely given to anyone who believes. Yes. Even us undeserving sinful salvation is given because of God's goodness. It is a, it is a gift. We don't earn it. We simply accept it from the Lord. And when you accept that gift of salvation, then God expects you to do something with it. He expects you to to work with it, to make it, I guess we could say, operational in our daily lives. And so we are to work out in our daily lives what God has worked in us through his Holy Spirit. And, And so that process begins with fear, with an awesome view of our holy God. A reverence for our Lord, for Christ, who died on the cross. Who now, our risen Christ, who is in that place of all authority. And so when I talk about fear, when the scriptures talk about fearing God, it's not this cowardly fear. Like, like paralyzed, we can't, we can't move, we can't do anything. It's talking about a captivating fear. A jaw-dropping awe and reverence for God. 
It's exhilarating. It's like contagious joy that spreads to those around us. And so we see in the next verse then, verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So the the only reason we can work out our salvation is because, because God works in us to make us willing and able to accomplish his purpose in our lives. Think about that classic Energizer bunny. And it is known for not stopping, continuing on, keeps going. You know, we, we refer to other people that way. Those people who just have that motor that keeps going. It's like, man, just the Energizer bunny going there. But let's pause and think about the Energizer bunny for a moment. Uh, it's pink, right? It's a pink bunny. Is, the, is it something extraordinary about the pink bunny that keeps it going? Well, if the ad campaign was successful, then no. We would recognize that there's nothing uh, extraordinary about the pink bunny. It is the Energizer battery that keeps the bunny going. So it's really not the bunny, it's the battery. The Energizer battery. This is the, the, you know, long-standing ad campaign (laughs) to say our batteries just keep going. they, They don't die, they just keep going. So the reason I mention that is because that's what our life is like. That we are the pink Energizer bunny. Not, not just we keep pressing on, we keep going because we've got the energy. I guess we could say the Holy Spirit is the <laughs> Energizer battery. We have the Holy Spirit of God within us that motivates us, that drives us, that gives us, that, that is our source of energy. And so this working out of our salvation, it's a cooperative effort. It's where we say yes to what God wants to do in our lives and accomplishes it through the Holy Spirit. Of course, we have this from the Proverbs as well. This many of you have memorized from Proverbs 9, 10 that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It begins with a reverence and a fear of Almighty God. What we think about God is the starting point for the rest of the things we believe and the rest of the ways that we operate. So if we talk about shining brightly, it's not because, well, he's got a lot of ambition. Well, she really wants to make an impact. It's about there is a person who recognizes the greatness of our God. It begins with a healthy fear. So let's never lose this reverential fear that enables us to keep going and keep pressing on like the Energizer Bunny, not giving up. If we want to shine brightly for Christ, we must fear God. Secondly, we are to be grateful. This next verses are, are what Christy read for us and is kind of a gut check and an attitude check and steps on our toes. Because we are challenged very clearly and directly from the Apostle Paul. So picking it back up at verse 14. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So we are called to holy living in a dark world, in a depraved world, in a corrupt world. Everything around us is is crooked and warped and twisted. 
Even the things that God makes that are beautiful and lovely and right and true and noble and praiseworthy. The darkness seems to take and twist. It it perverts it. It distorts it. But we are called the holy living. We are called to be set apart. And so I just want to say there should be a stark contrast between followers of Jesus and the rest of the world. Let them grumble. Let them complain. Let them have their sarcasm. Not so with us. See, when when we allow God to work through us in that way, and we don't have time this morning to go to James chapter 3 where he talks about taming the tongue. Uh, If you stay for our Sunday school hour, you will go there. But if we choose this and we allow God to work in us, we will shine like stars in the night sky. Unmistakable. Piercing the darkness. Look at these descriptions of of what you and I should be as followers of Jesus. Blameless. Pure. Without fault. And so, dear friends, if we have this healthy fear of God and reverence for our creator, and a right understanding of who, we, who he is, and of his plan of salvation, then why wouldn't we have grateful hearts? Why wouldn't we respond with thankfulness? And that gratitude, by the way, it, it is that thankful heart, that recognition of God, it helps us to avoid two common pitfalls. Oh, Paul mentions them right here. Complaining and arguing. When we have gratitude in our hearts for all Christ has done for us, it helps us to avoid these two pitfalls of complaining and arguing. And I would say this, fewer things destroy our testimony than these. Grumbling, not being satisfied or content with what God has given you and assigned to you, and arguing, bickering, fighting, trying to get my way. Heard the story about a farmer who was kind of a habitual complainer. <laughs> Just always grumbling about everything. And one day a neighbor of his thought he had maybe discovered something that would make the farmer happy. See, this farmer had the best produce in all the land for miles and miles around. And so when the neighbor saw him, he said with a big smile, you must be very happy. Everyone's talking about just how healthy and wonderful your melons look this year. The farmer said, kind of grimly, eh, that's true, they're, they're pretty good. But what am I going to do when I need some bad ones to feed my pigs? Always looking on the downside. So I want to admonish us this morning. Let's have nothing to do with sinful attitudes. Those hearts that fail to be grateful and thankful. Let's not adopt the ways and the mindset of the world and the darkness around us. Let's express our gratitude. Let's be grateful with our words. Let's be graceful with our words as well. Like we can use our our words to express value for others. We've, we've talked about we should 
uh, fear God. We should have reverence for God. And so that comes out in the form of we praise God, we thank God. Uh, I, I've shared with us before that one definition of evangelism is bragging about God. I love that. But we should also use our words to express the value of other people. That, that we can use our attitudes and our words and our actions to show love. Love for one another. And even love for our neighbor. Jesus seemed to think that that was really important, by the way. If you're like, why, why do I need to love my neighbor? What's, well, what's that all about? Just maybe check out the words of Jesus. Because he seemed to think that that was really, really important. That we would love our neighbors. And so, there is hope for us, friends. <laughs> because with God's help, with that Holy Spirit empowering us just like an Energizer battery does for that pink bunny. We can rise together. We can stand firm in the face of temptation, even when we're tempted to grumble or complain, even when life's difficulties come our way. And we choose to be unified. We choose to, to submit ourselves one to another in Christian accountability, in Christian community. And so we're we're not going to get into the petty arguments, especially not as we do kingdom work and, and ministry that's based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're, we're not going to major on the minors. We're not going to fuss and fight about simple preferences and the way we things, think things should go. We're not going to be divided, but we are unified under the cause of Christ. And so may the Lord help us and even, I would say, free us from the chronic complaining and our self-centeredness and our discontent and even having a critical spirit. You know, there's part of me as I read Philippians chapter 2 that makes me think, I, I think Paul maybe had his morning devotions in Deuteronomy chapter 32, <laughs> the day he wrote that. Like, like a lot of the imagery and language he uses seems to mirror Deuteronomy chapter 32, like straight out of that chapter. It's where Moses gives this prophetic word about the generations to come. This is a warning that comes for the people of God from Moses where he says, be cautious not to reject the Lord, your rock. Do not turn to idols. In fact, we can turn there, look at verse 5 in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Where Moses says, they have dealt corruptly with him. He's talking about the Lord. They're no longer his children because they're blemished. They're a crooked and twisted generation. He admonishes them to take heart his words. And then he makes this plea in this case for teach your children to be careful to do all that is written in this law. For this law, he says, this is actually in verse 47 then. This law, he says, the word of God is no empty word for you, but is your very life. The word of life. He's warning his people. He's saying, don't reject the Lord. Don't give in to the darkness around you. Don't, don't get crooked and twisted like the people around you. But God's word is life and so cling to it but you see there's a problem there and the problem is our sin like as much as this all sounds really good even for those of us who are redeemed i've been following jesus a long time some of you have been following even longer than i have decade over decade of following jesus 
But it's hard to hold fast to the word of life because we cannot obey God's law perfectly. We fall short. We fail. The Bible teaches that very clearly, by the way, in Romans (laughs) 3.23, that all have fallen short of God's standards. And so the result then is separation from God. We are separated from him. And for those who are separated from God, well, the, the truth of Scripture is that we will be separated from God for an eternity in the flames of hell. We'll be apart from his presence. Now, in the New Testament, in 1 John 1, 1, we see Jesus, who is referred to as the word of life. So here's the good news. That if we want to be pure, we, we, we want to shine like stars in a dark world. We, we don't want to be a part of a, a warped and twisted and crooked generation. Then we cling to him. We cling to Christ. Lord, I'm imperfect. Lord, I'm not going to, I, I fail. I fall short of keeping all of your commands and keeping all of your laws. And there are times where I do not love my neighbor as myself. There are times where I do not love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I'm going to cling to Christ. And in so doing, I have eternal life because he will keep me and he will never let me go. What good news. I mean, if you, if you are here today, I pray, I implore each and every one of you. Again, maybe this is the first time or maybe you've been following Jesus for 40 years. Would you say yes to Christ? Would you grab hold and never let go, trusting that he is holding you? Would you be grateful for this free gift of salvation that you know you cannot earn? So keying in there on verse 16. So the NIV says, hold firmly to the word of life. That's actually not my favorite translation of this this verse. Um, the, The Greek word used here is actually one that was used like in the context of a banquet or a wedding feast. And it was... Uh, offering wine to a guest at the banquet. That's actually the, the word, the idea, the phrase that's being used here is um, the, the Amplified Bible, which is a good study Bible. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of got its place among different Bible translations. But the Amplified Bible actually uh, sheds a lot of light on this verse and I think words it in a way that's really good. I'll, I'll read that for us. But uh, verse 16, the Amplified Bible translates as holding out and offering to everyone the word of life. So yes, we cling to Christ. We hold fast to Christ. But there's also this connotation there that we are, as, as you offer a drink to a guest at a banquet or celebration, there's also this connotation here as well. That as we are shining like stars in the night sky, that we are also holding out an offering to the world. Christ. <laughs> I, I mean... This is just the greatest thing we can do for our generation, isn't it? <laughs> like, like we could talk about all of the wonderful and fabulous and amazing ways that we can dream up and conjure up uh, ministry methods. And I'm for that, obviously. I, I'm devoting my life to that in full-time ministry. But in a way, this struck me as just how simple this is. Offer Christ to the world. The way we word it in our vision statement is sharing the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. You know, you're having a chocolate bar and the person next to you doesn't have one and you go, hey, do you want half of my crunch bar? 
sharing the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. I think this is the greatest thing we can do for our generation. When I say our generation, I mean like all of us now. Like we're all included in that. We offer Christ to the world. And yes, for those of us who have families, we offer Christ to our children and to our grandchildren. We offer Christ to the person who is lonely, the person who is hurting, the person who is confused, those who are angry and depressed and overwhelmed and addicted. But for far too long, the church has done nothing but curse the darkness. When that's not what the scriptures tell us to do. They tell us to hold out the word of life. Even as we cling to it and shine because of Jesus' work in our lives, we offer Christ to the world. We offer Christ to our neighbor. (laughs) He is the light of the world. And so what do you think happens when we offer Jesus, the light of the world, in places of darkness? The light overwhelms. The light pushes back. I would say this, MCA, let's, let's be a church that doesn't just grumble and complain about the darkness. I see it. I feel it. I'm raising eight children that I am trying, by the help of God, to keep in the church and in the kingdom and in the fold. I feel the darkness grabbing at me, grabbing at my family, reaching into my church. Let's be a church that doesn't just curse the darkness. Let's stay focused on Christ. Let's cling to him and let's simply, humbly, with gratitude and grace, offer him to one another and to the world. And he is the light of the world that will shine in the darkness. Let's look at verse 17. We're walking through Philippians chapter 2. And Paul says here, But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad. I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad And rejoice with me. (laughs) Be joyful. Rejoice, he says. Have hearts filled with gratitude. Use your words to express your fear and reverence and awe for Almighty God. And to express the value you have for other people. Be grateful with your words. Be graceful with your words. And as Paul talks there about being poured out like a drink offering. He's talking about selflessness. And we talked about that just last Sunday. About, about responding, reacting against the me-centered tendencies that so many of us have. So there's a third way I want to talk about shining brightly for Jesus. Fear God, be grateful, and live selflessly. In the rest of this passage, Paul actually lifts up and highlights two men who do this. Their names are Timothy and Epaphroditus. He, he mentions them and talks very specifically in sort of concrete detail about how they put the needs of others and how they put kingdom priorities ahead of their own. They were ordinary people, but they served in extraordinary ways. 
in God's kingdom, there will always be a need for more workers. There will always be a need for more men and women, boys and girls, to step up and say, I'll help, I'll serve, I'll hold out Christ and offer Christ to the dark world around me. I think it's just so often we're not interested. I think it's so often that we've got other things happening in our lives and we prioritize self and we prioritize me, but we're called by the scriptures. And again this morning, we talked about it last week, but again this morning, to live selflessly. So Paul mentions these two gentlemen who did just that. And and I would say this too, that at MCA, we are so blessed. I mean, we are a church who serves. This is the kind of church who, we we have so many volunteers uh, who help our ministry. And, And I would just simply say to you, if you haven't volunteered, if you haven't joined a ministry team, you are invited to do so. We would love you to use whatever gifts God has given you, whatever passion God has put on your heart. There are needs and there are places for you to serve. So use your spiritual gifts. Help us to share the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. We need you. MCA needs you. So please, uh, come and contact myself or one of the other leaders. Uh, We're always looking for more volunteers for our ministry here. I'll remind you the context of the book of Philippians, that Paul was in chains. That he was, he was in a place where he's awaiting trial. It may result in his death. It may result in his release. You know, depending on the outcome, Paul is really hoping that he can come back to Philippi. That he can go back to that place. That he can, uh, that he can minister to the church body there. But in the meantime, he wanted to send Timothy, this younger brother in the faith, this worker who had come alongside him. And he, of course, wanted Timothy to return to him with good news. Like, hey, the church in Philippi is strong. They're not fighting, and they've got grateful hearts and all this. So uh, let's look at verse 20. We're in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul speaks of Timothy. And again, we're, we're looking at this through the lens of an example who chose to live selflessly. Paul says of Timothy, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For then, verse 21, here's what Paul says. He says, everyone looks out for their own interests. (laughs) This is kind of like a pull back the the veil kind of moment. You know, it's like, let's be real. Like, everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But, you know that Timothy has proved himself. Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Timothy has been selfless. Timothy has chosen to put Christ and Christ's kingdom and gospel work ahead of his own needs. I love this. Paul says, there's no one else like him. What high praise. How many of us would kind of like that if someone said that of us? (laughs) Like, there's no one else like her. She's not always just about her own schedule and her own needs and her own resources. She just chooses to say, it's about Christ. And so like Paul who says, I'm poured out like a drink offering, like a sacrifice. She says, I'm exhausted. The widow who puts in all she has to live on and says, yeah, because I'm giving Christ my all. How many of us would like that to be said about us? These two men that Paul lifts up in in this chapter are 
are exemplary. They're selfless. So he mentions Timothy. Let's just touch on Epaphroditus as well. This young man who put the needs of others. In fact, we don't really have time to read through all of these verses. You can, you can do that this afternoon, uh, maybe, in reading the rest of these verses. But he put the needs of others before himself. And then he received honor. In fact, Paul encourages the church there at Philippi to honor him. Um, you know, just, I think it raises a good point for us. Because for a lot of us, we would say, I want to be honored. I want to be respected. If nothing else, in my own home. I want my wife to respect me. I want my children to honor me. But certainly in our community, in, in your workplace, in our region. How do we do that? How do we, how do we get that sort of honor and respect? And again, that's not the end-all be-all. But I'll tell you a little secret. How you win their respect, how you get their honor, serve them. Husbands, serve your wife. Put her needs ahead of your own needs. Serve your children. Care for them. Those in your workplace and in our community, in our church family. Lift people up. Don't push them down. Serve people with a glad humility, with a contagious joy. And so when we serve people, we do so with an attitude that sometimes is, well, I'm better than you. We talked about this last week where it's like, if you think it's a big deal that you're serving someone, uh, you probably have an attitude problem because it means you think you are a big deal. But we should serve people instead with an attitude that says, it's a privilege to serve you. You're important to me. I value you. I'm glad to do all I can to help you and to support you. Just imagine the kind of impact that we would have. Imagine the impact for the kingdom. When God's people, so kingdom-minded, live selflessly. Pour it out like a drink offering and expressing the value of others as we do so. If you want to gain respect from people, if you want to shine brightly for Jesus, live selflessly. These two young men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, did just that. And Paul says, honor. Paul says specifically of Epaphroditus, honor him and men like him. So, as we conclude, church, if we want God to use us, if we want to be that star that shines brightly in the night sky, we want to shine for him, then keep your eyes on him. And stay grounded and rooted in his word. And just cling to Christ. Knowing that he is holding you and he will never let you go. And it, listen, it doesn't matter how many times you fall. Because <laughs> you're going to fail. We all do. We fall short and we mess up. We choose the selfish path. We grumble. When instead we should praise. We argue. We fight for our own way rather than uniting together. Submitted to one another for the gospel cause. But press on. I know we're not a perfect church. There is no perfect church. But as we look at the scriptures and see what God does in us, that he calls us blameless and he calls us pure. 
I long to be a church that shines brightly in a dark world. So press on. Press on with the race that God has given you to run. And yet you're going to need help along the way. That's why we have each other. (laughs) That's why we have one another. That's why we have brothers and sisters in Christ that, that when I stumble and fall, you're there to pick me up and dust me off and encourage me and set me back on that path. And we can do nothing apart from Christ. We're like a pink bunny with no battery in it without the Holy Spirit to infuse our lives and energize us. So let's shine bright for Christ. Let's fear God and be grateful and act selflessly. God didn't call us to merely begin this race. He called us to complete it. So may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us today. We know what the scriptures say, where two or three are gathered in your name. There you are in their midst. And so, Lord, we know that you are here. Lord Jesus, the word of life, how we long to shine brightly for you. And so we pray together now, Lord, for those in our region and in our community, in our schools and workplaces and neighborhoods and in our families who do not know you, who are separated from you because of their sin. Lord, would you help us to be bold and courageous and to very simply and humbly offer Christ to share the life-giving power of Jesus. Lord, you're the one who's shining brightly. You're the one who redeems. You're the one who saves. So Lord, I pray a strengthening in these brothers and sisters. I pray that we would be unashamed of the gospel. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that you're growing us. You're causing us to be stronger in our spirits. That you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. Lord, we're just humbled and we're grateful. I pray, Lord, you would give us a a spirit of sensitivity and ears to hear what you're saying and what you're calling us to do that we would walk in obedience to that. Church, I want you to know our prayer team is going to be here in the front after service. And we would invite you to come, be ministered to, come with your burdens, come with your choice to follow Jesus, to to seek him and surrender to him. We would love to pray with you and go before God's throne of mercy together. And on all of this, Lord God, we lift up grateful hearts, knowing that yours is a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that you have the victory, that you are alive, that you live forevermore, that you are Lord over all. Thank you, O God. We bless you. We praise you and your mighty name. We lift on high our Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you that you don't give up on us. Thank you that you are a faithful God, faithful to us, faithful to our children, faithful to our grandchildren, and for a thousand generations.
May we continue to seek your face and walk in your ways and shine brightly for Christ. It's in his name we pray these things. Amen.